This morning is Pentecost Sunday. It's a morning in which we remember that Jesus empowered his Holy Spirit uh, into the church. We are in a series called Shipwreck, this, this series that is exploring what it means to be dependent on God. And this morning as we uh, face our dependency on a God we cannot see, we realize that he has equipped us with the Holy Spirit to power us to be dependent on him in powerful ways. And I think even though this is not a Pentecost sermon, if you listen when we go through the passage, you will hear how Paul depended on the Holy Spirit to keep him rooted in following God. Last week we started studying an adventurous story. A story called Shipwrecked. And and our series Shipwreck is following Paul's seafaring journey as a sentenced prisoner in chains. Paul's seafaring journey teaches us to faithfully depend on God and stay the mission, even in the moments that we feel bound by our circumstances. In his journey, Paul depended on God and stays the mission, despite fearful moments of persecution, imprisonment, oppression, Stormy seas, poisonous snakes that bite hands, and while even facing his own death. And through this five-week series, as we explore Acts 27 and 28, it is my hope that we can learn to mirror Paul's dependence on God and stay the course. Despite what circumstances we seemingly find ourselves sentenced prisoners to. This morning we continue Paul's journey at sea in Acts 27 12 through 26, through a message I've entitled, I've titled, Anchored. Now I want to capture uh, what happened last week in our series, uh, launch our, our sermon bound, for those of you that weren't here. And in that, in that message, we saw that Paul had just returned to Jerusalem. He's, he's coming off this, this energetic trip into the Gentile world, and he's loved on people. He's blessed people with God's blessing, and many of them became Christians. And he comes home into Jerusalem, and he's so excited. And what he finds is the whole town turns on him. He goes into a temple, and they drag him out by his hair. They seen him as nothing but a sellout and a turncoat. The town erupts into a riot. And they try to kill him. Luckily, a Roman soldier arrests Paul. And in chains, uh, Paul uses and appeals with his Roman citizenship to appear before the governor and then before Caesar himself. As a bound prisoner, he's put onto a ship and sent towards Caesar. Now, Jews don't like to be on ships. They don't like to be at sea. And the Mediterranean was a scary place in the winter. And he's under the guard of a centurion. He's led like a dog on a leash. However, Paul doesn't let that circumstance keep him bound, we saw, as they set him to sail. However, normally, even as the stormy seas came around him, we see the outlook of Paul's trip might be changing a little bit. And so this week, this is where we pick up. Paul is on a ship. Winter is coming, the seas are getting rough, he's chained, but even in that, he's not letting his circumstance shape him. He's still using his, his gifts that God has given him to build social equity with those on the ship. I invite you to follow along in Acts 27, 12 through 26. You'll also see it on the screen in front of you. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. 
before very long, a wind, hurricane force, called the Northeaster, swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it, and we were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Caudia, we were unable to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it above. And then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold the ship itself together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Syrtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. Now we took a violent battering from the storm. That the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and a storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. And after they'd gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and he said, Men, you should have taken my advice to not sail from Crete, but then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, "Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as He told me." Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. I love the way this story reads in Acts. I love the power of story, and this story is a powerful one. It, it reads like a great best-selling novel. And I want us to have a deep understanding of this passage that we're reading today. So let's quickly revisit a few aspects that we've heard in the story, just so that we understand what's happening. As I said last week, in the winter, the Mediterranean gets hit hard with hurricane-like storms. There are a few low-pressure storms that hit it every year, and they've actually nicknamed them Medicanes. It's the word Mediterranean and hurricane mixed together. In 2011 and 2016, the Mediterranean Sea got hit hard with two very serious Medicanes. The satellite view that you see on the screen is a storm in 2011 that fiercely pounded the coast. It's no small storm. It was a storm like this that Acts records hitting Paul as he was at sea. Winter storms were bad, and these ships were not made to sail them well. Last week, we learned that Paul had used his social equity he had built with those on the ship, even though he was a prisoner. And he tried to warn them to be wise and not to sail any further. Hey, guys, I don't think we should do that. We should probably winter here. In Acts 27.10, Paul says, Man, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and to our lives also. However, the captain... he owns the ship, but thinks he knows a little better. They wanted to reach a port that was bigger and easier to winter in. In other words, they wanted to reach a port, an anchor in a place that they themselves would have been more comfortable. They wanted to be a place where they were more comfortable. Why listen to Paul and, and, and port here in this small place? We want to go to a place that we want to go to where we're comfortable going. As they pushed on, the captain licks his finger, sticks it into the wind, 
and he notices a gentle south wind blowing. He says, now there's time to leave this port and head to where I'm going to be comfortable. This is a great sign. This was different than the wind they were experiencing earlier. Earlier they had these winds that were blowing off the land and blowing them out in the sea. This south wind was blowing them along the coast. And they were excited about that. And they thought it was sailable, or so they thought. You always got to watch those southern winds. They had the ship anchored, and they were just waiting for that opportune moment to push on. This light wind tasted like salt rather than dust from the land. The captain had the crew weigh anchor or pull up the anchor. He wanted to make the most of this good moment. He wanted to take advantage of this opportunity that stood before them. They were on their way to be anchored for the winter in a place that was more comfortable. And that was the vision that drove them as they pushed on. They left a beautiful port. And it wasn't long before the wind blew and not much longer that these winds had moved from gentle to downright violent and brutal. The air that used to taste like salt now felt like nails beating against their skin. The Mediterranean Sea around them suddenly became alive. It roared, it swelled, and it boasted of its strength. Hurricane winds began to toss the ship. They had found themselves in the middle of a northeaster. They were not able to sail along the beautiful coast as they had hoped. They found themselves once again being pushed out into the deep sea. They found that they weren't even losing hope of just making the port they felt comfortable with. They were losing hope of surviving at all. Suddenly their ability to push on just ended. They were now forced to give way to the storm and just be driven along as the sea and the wind wished them. They had reached a place of no control. The winds continued to force their ship out in the sea. Now, lifeboats in this era were often towed behind a boat, or as the sea would become rough, they would um, kind of put them down in the water and tow them behind them. They were a sign of hope, uh, a sign of last resort. And as they drug this lifeboat behind them, they realized it was causing them drag and even more danger. However, even though these soldiers and sailors were quick to leap from one port in dangerous conditions to get to the next one, they were not quick to get rid of their last hope, their last resort, this lifeboat. They wanted to save the lifeboat at any cost. They were afraid to let go of it. So even as the storm beat on them and it, and it brutally uh, just attacked them and the wind is blowing, they put their lives at risk to pull this lifeboat on board with them. They had valued the importance of the lifeboat and this hope that it offered more than they valued their life in the moment. Then it says, after they got the lifeboat secured, the storm became so crazy that they even had to secure the hull of the ship. It's not the kind of boat I want to be sailing on. Did you pick up on the part when it said, then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Now imagine this with me. These guys are on this ship, and they're in the middle of a hurricane, and they decide that the ship is probably going to fall apart. So they save the lifeboat, instead of getting in the lifeboat, and then they grab ropes, long ropes, and they all stand on the south side of the ship and allow the wind and the waves to pass the rope under, 
And then somebody was probably down there, kind of rappelled down the hull of the ship, grabbed these ropes that came under it, and brought it back up over the ship so that they could tie them together and keep the hull of the ship together. Sounds pretty crazy to do in the middle of a hurricane, but they were trying to keep themselves alive. Now the storm continued to blow, and it was blowing them for some renowned sandbars, and they knew that they were going to run aground there. And they had hoped that the next time they lowered their anchor, it was going to be in a place that they were comfortable, their port of choice, but now they found themselves scrambling to lower the anchor off the deck and begin to create drag on the bottom of the sea. They had hoped by throwing the anchor overboard now and dragging it, it would cause them to slow down and help them move out of the way of the sandbars that they were approaching. Now as they did this, night came and went, and the conditions didn't improve. They needed to be faster and lighter and float higher on the water. They knew they were going to wreck or run aground on these sandbars. And so these merchants and and sailors began to throw everything overboard. Now remember, this ship is sailing port to port, and these soldiers would have had a flash pass to just take their prisoners onto any ship they wanted. So most likely, this was a merchant ship that was full of things that people had invested their livelihood in and had looked to sell and trade in each port. And now, because they were so worried about their life, they began to throw everything they owned and everything they had hoped to make money off of into the ocean. Now that wasn't enough. The ship was still not light enough, so they began to even throw over the ship's supplies. It says they threw over the ship's tackle into the dark waters. Even the ship now would have been left with little control. The people had no control anymore. They had no things to own. And all of a sudden, the ship had no things left to control it, and they were blown around with the wind. The sky grew dark once again, Paul said, and the suns and the stars did not appear for many days. They were tossed in the dark as they clung to their prayers and hope. I love when the author of Acts writes, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. The minute you have to tie your ship together, I would have been losing hope. But night came and the sun never came up. The storm grew so dark that for days they were tossed around and they continued to find themselves in the middle of this raging storm where the sun didn't rise, the stars didn't show, and as a result, they lost all hope. Now, how does Paul respond into a moment like this? I'm sure that these seasoned sailors had turned into scared sailors. The sky was black, they had nothing, the ship had nothing. They were even out of food for days. And Paul, being Paul, realizes that everyone is at the end of the rope. And so he stands up to give them this last glance of hope. Or was it more of an I told you so moment? He stands up before the people and he says, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared your damage and loss. Thanks, Paul. That's helpful. Paul's words, though, did not end there with his I told you so moment. He went on to show that he had remained anchored and dependent on God despite the storm. He spoke life and hope into their situation from wisdom in which he had discerned from God. Let's take away a few notes as we become to an end here. 
In this story, we see that in trial, the sailors were more driven by their own individual discernment and by their own idea of a comfortable, safe harbor than a discernment of others or dependency on God. Paul stood up and said, guys, uh, things aren't looking so good. I don't think we need to go that way. I think we should just winter here. Sailors, the captains, they weren't interested in listening to Paul. They, they knew what was best. They trusted their own intuition. They became their own shepherds. They didn't need to test anything in community. They didn't need to test the discernment of other people because they were ready to leap on their own doing. In fact, they liked their own idea of a safe harbor better than where Paul wanted to remain They didn't need dependency on what Paul's God was saying. They needed to do what they thought was best. The story shows that even seasoned sailors can be too quick to pull up anchor and sail without pause and discernment. These were people that made their livelihood on a boat. They should have known that that wind was going to cause them trouble. They should have known that it wouldn't have been wise to try to push on a whole other day into another port. They had just experienced all this other trouble. And what do they decide to do? We can make it. We can just push on a little bit more. Even seasoned sailors can be too quick at times to pull up anchor and to sail without pause and discernment. The captain stood up and said, guys, the wind's blowing in the right way. It's looking good. Let's head out. And I love that the NIV says it wasn't much longer after that point to where the seas became rocky. We also see in this story that when they acted quickly and out of their own intuition and comfort, they subsequently confused a good and opportunity as a God moment. Guys, the wind is blowing in our way. It's a good moment. Let's take advantage of it. The only problem was it wasn't really a good moment. It wasn't really a a moment in which God had ordained for them to go into. And that moment had quickly begun to spiral out of control. And they had begun to lose hopeful sight that once fueled them on. They were now victims to the storms of life. And despite their situation, they tried to appear to have it all together. They tried to hold on to that lifeboat with everything they had. They tried to hold on to it as a vision of hope and control. And in doing so, they only made the situation worse. So in last-ditch efforts, they tried to drag their anchor like a child kicking and screaming in defiance. And as they hit rock bottom, they were forced to throw everything overboard to save themselves. Even though Paul was bound and imprisoned as a victim to his circumstance, Paul remained anchored, dependent on God, and tuned in to God in the midst of trial. As we see Paul, as he stands up in the middle of this trying situation and where the storm is raging and everyone has lost hope, Paul stands up very confidently. Does his nah, nah, I told you so. But then he tells them this message of hope. And it came from this place that he had it all together. Out of his dependence on God, Paul was able to speak life to the failing world around him with hope, conviction, and discern wisdom from God. As we come to a close with this story this week, there are seven questions that come to my mind. I encourage you on that blank piece of paper, uh, blank note section on the back of your bulletin, to write down the question that irks you the most. Which question stands out to you the most? Which one resonates with what God is putting on your heart this morning?
moments of trial, are you driven by communal discernment or your own idea of what's best? Are you driven on dependency? Are you driven by dependency on yourself or God? How intentional are you at discerning before leaping? Because even seasoned sailors can sometimes fail to pause. And in storms of life, do you find yourself differentiating between good moments and God moments? If you've lost vision, is it perhaps because you leaped into a vision of a comfortable, safe harbor and not discerned a call? Maybe you were just doing what felt comfortable. And when the seas get rough, that isn't a big enough vision to keep you grounded. In what areas of life are you trying to hold it all together, but really the lifeboat you're dragging is just making the situation worse? And in moments of unrest, do you drag an anchor, or are you able to surrender in the moment? And the last question, even when you are a victim to a situation, can you remain anchored, dependent on God, and tuned into God, even in the midst of trial? I invite the worship team to come forward uh, no, I'm moving into communion. I apologize. I am, uh, as we move into communion, I invite you to reflect on this one reality. We are defined by where we anchor. We are defined by where we anchor. Even when you are a victim to a situation, can you remind anchored, dependent on God, and tuned into God in the midst of trial? I invite you back next week for more of Paul's journey as we continue our series, Shipwreck. As we continue to follow Paul's seafaring journey as a sentenced prisoner in chains. Paul's seafaring journey teaches us faithfully to depend on God and stay the mission, even in the moments we feel bound by our circumstance.